world under siege, where the baddest bosses rule. Who will save us? Mega Man! Join him on his ultimate quest in 3D. Who are his friends? Who are his enemies? Danger ducks around every corner. Mega Man uses awesome firepower to battle diabolical forces. Amazing non-stop blasting action. Who can save the cities from destruction? Don't call up Rama. It's all in a day's work for Mega Man. Let's do it! everybody murph couldn't be here today but i have a new guest well hey hold on his name is brendan i, I, I oh, heard that mind. this is a guest free show i've heard numerous times that there's no <laughs> such things as guests on the daydream cast so that's all it's all murph I, murph says that i'm i'm pro guest oh, okay. everyone knows it it's been on the record that i have never said i'm anti-guest oh okay i i could have sworn i could have sworn it was a it was just a, a laid down rule. But anyway, yeah, my name is Brendan. Hello, Brendan Hesse. Um, I am from the games media. I write about video games for a living, depending on who you are. That's either an interesting fact or it condemns me straight to hell. Um, yeah, hello. So, so like, on a scale of one, like, on the, in terms of ratio, how bad are the comments in your comment sections? Oh, man. Well, if you... It depends on which uh, which uh, publication you read and which which um, which piece you read. I I would say that the one that was the most contentious that I wrote recently, I wrote GameSpot's uh, like top Final Fantasies list. All right, I just ranked the whole series. Oh, I'm sure that I'm sure that has heavy contention. Well, yeah, and I have weird tastes just in games in general, but also specifically in Final Fantasy. So. Um, we left off eleven, Final Fantasy eleven and Final Fantasy fourteen, um, which is good because if I did that, I would have put Final Fantasy eleven way above Final Fantasy fourteen. Um, if the editors were oh my gosh, the 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 end of the list. Okay, okay. So let me just. The whole point <laughs> is that I put Final Fantasy twelve way high on the list because I love Final Fantasy twelve, and that's a contentious one, and. Um, I put like Final Fantasy V high on the list. I put eight too high on the list for some people. It's fine. I understand. Like everyone has their opinions. It's okay. But the uh, the amount of shit I got in those comments were it was just astronomical for just saying that I liked you know certain games more than others. And the thing that really kills me about it is that that list had to go through the editing process so a bunch of editors like the entire GameSpot editorial staff had to say yeah we're okay with this list the one of the only changes was that they made me move final fantasy 13 lower and they made me move final fantasy 6 to the top so let me let me ask you do, do you think editorial was anticipating the spicy takes or was this a shock to them oh they they, they knew it was coming a hundred percent i mean they wanted it I don't think that they wanted it. 
it's an inevitability of online discourse, especially for a one of the largest video game publications on the internet. Like it's just an inevitable. And oh my gosh, I can't do that word today. It is just a foregone conclusion. It's gonna happen. People are gonna have <laughs> really hot takes, and they're going to treat their opinion as gospel. And I'm from the I'm from the school of thought that like everyone is entitled to their subjective experience of art. It's all valid, and therefore no list on the internet should be taken too seriously. And you also shouldn't take your own uh, opinions too seriously either. So, you know, uh, there's there's a philosophical difference in the way that I approach talking about video games, thinking about video games, than maybe a lot of the people in comment sections do. Well, let's certainly hope that they were not toxic about it. I'm sure they weren't. I'm sure that even with the disagreements, it was peaceful, right? Of course. I would say this. Uh, it wasn't great, uh, right? It, it wasn't great. But the worst I've ever gotten was I wrote a, just a tiny news blurb saying, like, it, like the most objective reporting news blurb. Like, I'm not saying, like, you know, like, like literally just said, hey, Apple removed vaping-related apps from the App Store. And the reason they did that was they cited this study. That was it. That was literally all I wrote. I had dudes and in my mentions for months telling me that I was a tobacco shill, that I needed to go kill myself because I'm like, <laughs> trying to push cigarettes and all this stuff. And I'm like, dude, I didn't, I didn't even say whether I agreed with the study, whether the study was valid. I literally just said this was Apple's reasoning. Like, there's no bias at all. I wasn't coming at it from any direction of like, like, yeah, you, you shouldn't vape either or, or you should go buy a pack of camels. I wasn't saying anything like that. But you might as well have thought that I had based off of some of the, like, I mean, like, full on, like, the death threats and all that stuff. Because I, like, the vaping dudes, man, they're, they're hardcore. No offense to anyone out there who vapes. I mean, like, more power to you. This, this is going to be, all right. You, you fucked up big oh, time yeah. because not only is this a uh, cast of a smoker, I smoke camels and I don't like vaping. Oh so um, you are a show. Oh I my hate God. It's, it's bad. Wow. Oh my gosh. I, uh... <laughs> They're going to use this as proof. No, but that's what's like kind of fucked because it's like any sort of slight hint towards a conspiracy or anything, they'll be like, oh, obviously you're a shill. And yes, this podcast would love to be sponsored by Big Tobacco. I want money really bad. I'm okay, really so, hungry. So. so this was a long con, obviously, to get me here. Yes. To, okay, all right. Good play, good play. Let me ask you, let, let me ask you a real question though. Uh, so you say you approach games differently and you like games differently. Why do you think you liked those Final Fantasies more than the others? Like what makes the opinion so different for you? Well, do you want the, <laughs> do you want the boring clinical answer or do you want the, the, the long-winded uh, uh, historical answer? Give me the, give me the long answer. Okay, well the long answer is that um, I was, I can't remember what year Final Fantasy, uh, so my first Final Fantasy was Final Fantasy VIII. I played it on a demo disc that was like a PC gamer demo disc. And all of my friends in elementary school were PlayStation kids, except for me. I was a Nintendo 64 kid. Um, And so, like to me, video games were Zelda and uh, Mario Kart and stuff like that. 
And so I was always fascinated by hearing people talk about Chrono Cross and um, Final Fantasy VIII in particular. Like those were the two games that my friends just were head over heels for. And uh, and so I finally played Final Fantasy VIII on a demo disc, and it was completely unlike anything I'd played before. And for me, that just kind of set the tone of what I thought Final Fantasy was. I thought it was a weird, like modern sci-fi fantasy blend. And I thought that it was, you know, you're driving a car through a countryside that's based off of Europe and like weird seashell shaped houses and all that stuff. So I like, that's what I thought Final Fantasy was. Are you big? I, obviously I know the answer, but you're big into fantasy star. I'm guessing. Yes. Oh yeah. Well, I, <clears throat> yeah. We're just gonna hit all the we'll anyway. hit all the all the things because yeah, Fantasy Star. I, I say that Dragon Quest is my favorite RPG, specifically console RPG series, and it's true. I think that Dragon Quest has like the most, like uh, in terms of quantity of excellent games. I think Dragon Quest has the most of like the big name console RPG series. But Fantasy Star is like number one with a with a bullet in terms of like setting and aesthetic. All that stuff. Like I love science fantasy and science fiction uh, vastly more than just like regular fantasy stuff. So that really appealed to me about Final Fantasy VIII, and then subsequently Seven, which I went back to, even though all of my friends swore that Final Fantasy VII was a boring game and it wasn't very good. And guess what? They're uh, they're kind of right. Uh, it's not a very good game. Oh my um, god. Okay, all right, continue. Uh, it's 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 a uh, it's a um, it's mid as fuck, is what it is. I, can I swear on this? Show? I, forgot. I, don't, I don't remember. Yeah. Yes, yeah, you, you're good. I, it's just, I mean, I know it's a lot of people's favorite because it was the first one, and I admit that I love the setting, and I love the story for the most part, um, and the soundtracks. Is great. it the gameplay that gets you? Yeah, it's just, it's just so flat. And compared to something like Final Fantasy yeah. VIII, where you're doing so much weird shit to make your characters better, that is so much more my cup of tea. Absolutely. So, yeah. So, so, so like mechanically is like a huge priority for you. Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, let's, okay. So my number one favorite thing in a video game, I mean, maybe not my number one, but, but the one that I continually go back to and I seek out the most, the feeling I seek out the most is the feeling of being in a location that I just newly discovered and completely in over my head. I'm getting just torn to pieces by everything around me and I don't know how to get out of it. Like there's, it, it triggers something in my mind where I just like, it's like this like instinct of like, okay, I've got to survive. Let's figure out how to do this. You know, let's get down to brass tacks and just head down, figure out how to get out of here. And the feeling of overcoming that challenge is my favorite like reward, my favorite psychological reward from a video game. So like, Lately, I've been playing, <clears throat> sorry, getting over a cold, so a little bit, uh, a little bit winded already, but, um, so, uh, oh God. I've been playing, I've been playing No Man's Sky and that game is just like, you know, you crash land on a planet and you're like, all right, I got to go collect a bunch of resources because my, you know, my ship's out of fuel and my scanner's out of fuel and all this stuff. Like I love doing that sort of thing. And it's why I gravitate towards stuff like, like dungeon crawlers. And um, or really weird old school MMORPGs like Final Fantasy XI. Um, 
Is there an aspect uh, where it's difficulty or is it specifically environmental design? Just like, is it the mood? Is it the difficulty? Is it the gameplay? Like, or is it all of the above? I mean, I want to say it's all of the above because I could pick out pieces of all of that. Like, um, a good example is in Super Metroid, when you fall down that, um, that one hallway in Brinstar, and then you're basically stuck yes. in Brinstar until you... I think it's basically until you beat Crate, and then you get the ice yeah. beam and everything, and you get out. Um, mm-hmm. Or like making it to the bottom of Blight Town and just being like, "Oh shit, this it's even worse down here." Um, <laughs> and then you kill Quaylog, and you're like, "I don't have fast travel." Exactly. Well, <laughs> oh my god, do I have to climb back up? And uh, I mean, that's kind of the thing about like like that I love about uh, Dark Souls in particular. But I mean, a lot of dungeon crawlers that it is inspired by. Um, is like I'm just stuck in an area until I figure out how to get forward, and some of that is difficulty, sure, but I think a lot of it is just the sense of problem solving, like that that, yeah. that ability to be like I don't know what I'm supposed to do necessarily, but I, I know it's a I know it's a sore subject on here, but um, I, that's why I love Holiday. <laughs> Is is I would I like Hollow Knight. I, I'm harsh on Hollow Knight. It's good. It's, it's good. a good game. No, um, so I'm guessing you you're pro Hollow Nest. I am as a location. I am abs- judging by the Super Metroid comparison. I'm absolutely pro Hollow Nest. In fact, I um I had a whole article outlined for um, EGM before they closed their their freelance wing. Um, I had a couple articles outlined for them, um, and it was I know you read the one that I did about. Um, about Link's Awakening. And it was in a similar vein. And yes. that was about how um, Hollow Nest is a, like, it's like the perfect gaming encapsulation of Yu's shadow um, uh, archetype. Yeah. And, and like, you know, and, and, and <laughs> at the time I, I was like, I was just fascinated by the idea of like the Red Book, his Red Book and all that stuff. And um, yes, I'm one of those people, but don't worry, I don't take it too seriously. Um, but <laughs> it's a, uh, yeah, so I'm absolutely pro pro Hollow Nest and just pro getting stuck in games in general. And in fact, that's why I I really like Metroid Dread, but I never felt like I was getting lost or getting stuck all that often. And that was it was kind of a disappointment. There's one thing about that game that let me down. It's certainly the one thing about Elden Ring that I, I just I can't let it go. I. I <laughs> Oh no! I wish I I wish I got stuck in that game more often. I wish that game was uh, a little bit meaner to me. What I really wish is that I had it on PC so I could play this awesome survival mod because that sounds dope. But um, anyway, yeah. <laughs> I I think we're different in I think I think you're more focused on that that survival where it, where it touches that innate human instinct of fight or flight or problem solving. For me, I'm much more okay with wandering around yeah I, I think it this way i might like we'll see when we talk about Mega Man legends but like in, in general i liked the overworld more in Mega Man legends when mm. when we go there to foreshadow i like wandering around i like enjoying the environment i do think in terms of games i think especially in terms of rpgs or action games there is a relationship between the player and environment and i like to examine that but i don't necessarily need it to be a challenge or a gauntlet i don't necessarily need to see a journey through it for me to find whatever fun there is totally. uh that's me personally i, mean, I, I, I get that um, entirely actually I, and, and 
I, I should say that, like, I don't want every moment of every game to be that way. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm not looking for it to be a constant, constantly like that. Like, Well, I mean, most RPGs, I mean, that goes into pacing. Right where there will be breaks where you go into town and you and you can grow or you can learn or develop right. and then you can go back into the the treachery. Right, but I will say when I look at my list of my favorite games, like of forever, um, a lot of them tend to not they don't tend to let up on that sort of thing. To me, like Vagrant Story, which is another like you know dungeon crawler action-adventure RPG type on the PS1, um, it's it's structured more like like a Metroid Prime, whereas, mm-hmm. like, and, and Metroid Prime, the first Metroid Prime, to me, is, like, it's the perfect game, because it's just that, it's a, not only is it, like, it's a sense of discovery, it's like, okay, I'm constantly finding new stuff, but I'm also constantly asking myself, how the fuck do I keep going? Like, and, and that yes. is, like, yeah. like, the two of those together intertwined is magic yes and i mean i i also think i i think prime was the last time i was ever immersed in uh like prime trilogy i should say was immersed in a metroid i think once mercury steam got into samus returns other m i would count uh by uh team ninja and then like uh metroid dread i wasn't necessarily immersed into i wouldn't necessarily need metroid to be a horror experience i just need to feel like i'm there and i think there was much more of a cinematic angle to those games and i don't necessarily mind that either but uh they're they they start to linger it's it's interesting that you say cinematic because to me at least the first prime is so much the antithesis of cinematic storytelling and much more akin to the maybe the half-life style of everything that's happening for the most part is happening to you through the visor of samus and it's like you're always in the driver's seat yeah i mean mean, like okay there are cutscenes you're seeing okay samus steps on the the elevator it goes up the shaft you, you see the you know the boss encounters from a more cinematic perspective. But I mean, you're reading the logs from Samus's point of view. You're exploring the environments completely from Samus's point of view. Um, and so, like, to me, I would put Metroid more in, like, the lineage or something like Half-Life or System Shock or Marathon or these games. I would specifically put the Prime games like that. Yes, yes. yes and I would yes. also put just anything before that generally as well. Yeah. Um, I, I think they started to take a, a turn. Yeah. So, I mean, so I, not to say that, like, like in terms of, like, feeling engrossed in a, a work, like, I get engrossed in a movie. Um, I, could, I, I could agree that I feel that way about Prime. But in terms of, like, the way in which Prime presents itself and tells its story, I always, I never really got... I always felt like when people were like, oh, it's the Citizen Kane King of, of gaming back in like the, <laughs> the like 2010s or whatever, I always kind of thought that like I never really got that until I realized what they were saying was like it does a really good job of being of, of tying everything into the act of playing the game. Um, and, and, yeah. and to that extent, I think actually there might be other games that are better at telling a story and being a game. Um but uh, yeah, I think for it's why I love well, Metroid Prime. I, 
I, I saw I saw a comment earlier today, and that's that's when this is going into where someone called Half Life cinematic, and in a way, yes, but it's the it's the difference between a linear set piece experience where it's like a roller coaster, right. and and a literal like you're sitting in a theater seat and you're just taking it in. Metroid's not like that latter experience. Yeah. It is much more hands on. Right. Uh, even if there is a set piece that happens in front of you, you're still there and you're still absorbed in it and you're still actively learning. There's, there's details to always soak in and, and it, and it gives as much as you, as you put in as well. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I totally agree with that. Yep. Okay. All right. We've been a mess. I, I, I had a list of things. Here. Oh, sorry. You played soul hackers too. Correct. I am, I am currently playing. Uh, the Atlas RPG Soul Hackers 2, which is the follow-up to Shin Megami Tensei Devil Summoner 2 Soul Hackers. Yeah. It's a good it's what? a good video game. So I mean it's a it's it's a Mega Ten <laughs> it's a Mega Ten RPG. And crucially, okay, so I uh, again I work in the games media. Uh, primarily I write for uh, GameSpot and uh, for a long time I still write for Lifehacker, but for a long time that was my main Mindset. I've written for a lot of places. I have a lot of colleagues, a lot of friends in the industry, several of whom uh, reviewed Soul Hackers 2. And I would like to kindly just put out there that most of them are wrong about this game. It's actually very good. Oh, shit. Um, it got a lot of... There's air horns blaring now. Brr, 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 it, got brr, a lot of, it got a lot of 7s out of 10, and I can see why it did. But um, one of the things about... A lot of people who reviewed this game. Okay, please, everyone listening, do not like take this as in like I, I'm attacking these people or anything. I just think it's crucial that in order to understand what this game is, you have to have a familiarity with the Shin Megami Tensei series that goes beyond Persona Four, Persona Five, and maybe Shin Megami Tensei Five. And because what this game is doing is actually really interesting, it is a Shin Megami Tensei DRPG is a dungeon crawler, just like um, pretty much all the Shin Megami Tensei games were up until basically Shin Megami Tensei 4, 5, and then some of the spinoffs, and, and Persona has not been a dungeon crawler since basically 3, really. I mean, it kind of it has dungeon crawling elements, but the, Barely. the wizardry-ness of it has been slowly taken away. And what Soul Hackers... People, people like the high school dating sim part. Yes. That's that's what's that's going exactly. on. They removed right. the dungeon crawling. Right. Yeah. And so the thing that people loved Persona 5's dungeons, I was a little lukewarm on those because um, they didn't give me that sense of, oh shit, I'm lost. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Uh, how am I getting no. through here? You're always in control. Yeah. And... Soul Hackers 2 doesn't really have that either, but what it does have are dungeons that are very clearly designed with the grid-based ethos in mind, but presented in a more, like, in a third-person free-movement perspective, which is very interesting to me because it works really well. It still feels like a... It still feels like a gritter or a blobber, whatever you want to call the, the classic first-person dungeon crawlers, but it doesn't have that clunkiness. It doesn't have that um, the awkwardness of you know. Okay, I got to strafe, then turn, and you know everything just sort of feels really. I mean, just 
like you're moving along a grid, obviously. And it, it doesn't have that. And, um, but there's still like, you know, like, there's teleporters that take you to random places. There's traps, there's um, at random encounters, but the random encounters are seen on the map so you can decide to engage with them or not. Um, a friend of mine, uh, Dia Lucina, she reviewed this for Paste and she called it um, Maximalist Dungeon Encounters, which is a, uh, Dungeon Encounters was a game that came out last year on Switch, PC, and PS4. And it's it looks like a tabletop RPG, but it's a dungeon crawler, grid-based dungeon crawler. And um, it, sure. it, its whole thing was that it's like a very minimalist game, whereas Soul Hackers is doing a lot of the same stuff as um, Dungeon Encounters, but with a huge AAA or at least close to AAA budget. And that's really interesting to me as someone who loves this genre, who loves you know, stuff like Etrian Odyssey and Wizardry, obviously, um, and wants to see more of that stuff kind of come back into not just SMT, but just console gaming in general. Um, they're kind yeah. of doing it in this really weird way with Soul Hackers, and they're doing it in like, like if, I don't know, if this had come out without Persona 5 and Shin Megami Tensei 5 in between it, I might have been like, ah, this is a real step backwards. But this was like, in a weird way, a step like sideways in a good way. It reminds you that they can still do yeah, it. exactly. It feels like, hey, okay, we can still do this. And they do it in such a way that it's very forgiving and very like streamlined so that it's like, if you're coming from Persona, you can play this game no problem. It's not, it's not, you know, it's not Wizardry 6. You're not going to get your teeth kicked in um, in the first encounter of the game and have to restart everything. Um, and I, the, the story is admittedly not this grandiose thing. It's good. Um, it's interesting. The, the setting's kind of cool. It sort of ties into the, the previous Soul Hackers, but I don't know, from like, from just, from the perspective of someone who likes dungeon crawlers, this to me is like, oh my gosh, maybe they could do something like bring Etrian Odyssey back, put it on the PlayStation 5, and it could actually maybe kind of work in that environment, even though it's not a grid-based dungeon crawler anymore, and maybe you're not even drawing your own maps anymore, which is sacrilegious to some folks, but something like that can work, and... I think that's important because that's what, I mean, not only is that where, where RPGs came from, but for a lot of people like myself, that's the part of RPGs and the type of RPGs that we like best. That's just, we just don't get those really on the console. And if we do, they're so tied to the wizardry formula or even like the eye of the beholder formula, where it's either like, you're either doing like turn-based encounters or you're doing like, Grimrock style, like sort of um, live action combat. Anyway, the whole point is that like pseudo turn based, but not yeah, really. It, yeah, but they're, but they're so beholden to the old formulas, and it's like you can actually do a modernized dungeon crawler like this without the excesses of modern RPGs, which is something I said on Twitter. So if you've seen me say that before, don't. Say I'm plagiarizing myself, but 
it's it's exactly what this is. You don't have to have like every game doesn't have to be Xenoblade Chronicles three. You can have like a dungeon crawler that's just a really cool looking streamlined dungeon crawler on PS five, and I think that's cool. And I think most. I think most importantly here, like the way this says to you is like the game on it by itself is moderately good or I would say, but I think it, what was important here was that it gave you hope for the genre to be like, Oh, there is a viable space here where developers are interested in providing uh, what I want with a real budget, which is exciting. Yeah, I mean, dungeon encounters gave me, uh, gave me a taste of what, like the genre could do with with some smart ideas. Like, I mean, it sounds weird to say like, oh, you put a the, the active time battle system into a dungeon crawler and make it look like a tabletop game. Oh my god, this is the most you know, uh, it's the most uh, innovative or uh, novel thing that's happened to this genre in like twenty years. But it's true, and then this feels like the most forward thinking thing that's happened for like the old school gritters in a long, long time. And I can see how, like, the people who just want those games to be the grid-based, turn-based stuff forever would find this disappointing. And I can see how the people who want the big Persona 5s and the big Shin Megami Tensei 5s would find this, like, a total compromise. But to me, it's, like, just the perfect Goldilocks scenario of, like, right (laughs) in the middle. And I've done, I mean, not only that, this game's, like, 20 to 30 hours. I've played for about 11. I've done like a ton of side quests, all the side quests that are available to me. Uh, and, and like people kept saying like, Oh, these dungeons are so boring. And I don't know, man, I think they're great. And so, <laughs> so fuck everybody else. That's right. Fuck <laughs> Look, I, I, you said it. Not me. <laughs> okay, yeah, that, that's why I'm here to be incendiary. Anyway, yeah. Uh, I can go on about this game. I, I, I think it's, and I haven't even touched on like the story or the incredible soundtrack or, the cool setting and art direction i but suffice it to say i really like it and if you like anything any of the games i've listed in the last uh, 20 minutes or however long i've been talking you should try it too okay there we go now uh you you name dropped the next one on the list earlier um what exactly is different about Xenoblade Chronicles three. <laughs> what do you in what, what from what Soul Hackers or just from from other Xeno games or just from games in just general? Anything. <laughs> you you name dropped it as it as to separate the two. So in what ways are you excited by Xenoblade Chronicles three, and in what ways are you like, man? Okay, so everything that I said about my colleagues and friends who reviewed uh, Soul Hackers two, and I said I like it better than them. We'll say that again, but this time I like this game a lot less than them. And it sucks because at first, man, I was so into this game. Um, so my background with Xenoblade in general is that I liked the first game. I bounced off after about 20 hours. I avoided the second game completely. And to me, Xenoblade Chronicles X on the Wii U, where you get the pilot, the mech, and it basically looks like a fantasy star game, that was the one I played to completion because the story in that game took a way big backseat. And that's not to say that I think that story and game should always take a backseat. But it is to say that I think Xenoblade stories are bonkers. And as much as I like a lot of the themes in these games, like, you know, they deal with, like, Gnosticism and uh, psychoanalysis and all this stuff. Like, it's, it's very interesting stuff. 
and there's it's it's quite an interesting well to to draw from. I don't know. But if you if you double down too much on the well, it gets a little overbearing. Exactly. And let me tell you, man, if you played any <laughs> Xeno game, and I don't just mean Xenoblade, I mean Xeno Saga, Xeno Gears, you've played this story before. And and not only have you played this story before, I actually think some of those other games did it a little bit better. Because this game starts out and you're in a like this blended science fantasy world where everything like it's amazing, fantastical, impossible landscapes, weird alien creatures, all this stuff that I just I just eat up when it comes to you know open world RPGs and stuff like that. And you're playing as a squad in an army fighting against another army. And in this world, there's just two nations locked in an eternal conflict. They're constantly killing each other. And um, like the soldiers have like a 10 year lifespan. There's like some Logan's run in it. You know, there's um, you, you kind of get the idea that like, okay, they're, they're harvesting each other's souls to like fuel their time clocks to continue living and all this stuff. There's a really interesting setup there, right? Um, yeah. And the whole point of the game after the intro is basically like, all right, we've teamed up with another group of, of, of people from the opposite side of the conflict. We all have superpowers and we're going to try to stop the war because we've realized that we can all live in peace. And that to me is such an interesting premise. And there's so much there, like there's so much that you could talk about like, like the nature of war and what drives war, what drives conflict, um, why people fight, why people, like how propaganda works, how countries and nations and organizations of, of all kinds um, can manipulate people, especially if they're under this idea that there's like this real true threat. Um, and I'm not going to get into any spoilers into the story of what happens, um, but I'll just suffice it to say that like it plays with some of that stuff, but it all gets overwritten because hang on, this is Xenoblade and what if Gnosticism? And that's yeah. cool, but like if everything in the story gets not only like explained, but like undermined and wiped like like wiped away, like like apologize for like, oh, I know, okay. We set up all this cool stuff, but actually that was pretense to get you involved in this storyline that makes no fucking sense. And I was very disappointed by that. Like, and I'm people out there are probably hearing this and they're going, dude, that's exactly what Xenoblade is, though. You should have known what you were getting into. You're right. I should have. Um, you you just hoped for more. I, I hoped, I guess, I thought, I thought what I was getting was... The way it presents itself at first, I was like, oh, this is like, this is going to be like Metal Gear Solid meets... A political, you know, talking about the manufacturing of the war economy. Exactly. Yeah, I get it. That's... And I was, I was <laughs> yeah. so on board because I, I mean, you know, I love Metal Gear. Like as much as it's crazy bonkers bullshit, I'm all there for it. And it probably sounds weird to be like, oh, you like Kojima's brand of bullshit, but you don't like, you know, uh, the Xenoblade brand it but it's true like i there's just um i'm i'm a defend i'm a defend war economy themes real quick i think i think things like metal gear solid are much more socially pertinent than like 
Because, like, I think of, like, Dark Souls also has, like, a lot of Gnosticism, a lot of other, like, deep, like, deeper psychological or fantasy themes to them. But, like, at the end of the day, Metal Gear Solid is much more something that you can take and look as a reflection of right now in society, what's happening, much more, you know, prescient and socially conscious. So I think those conversations are engaging and uh, should matter. Okay, you know what's interesting? The the fact that you say that, it actually... Is making something click for me here because because all right I I, I don't I'm not again I'm not going to spoil anything but there are elements Uh-oh. there are elements of so it, Metal Gear is actually a very Gnostic game um, because it, yes like, yes the yeah, whole thing, they all play yeah, together it's yeah like the whole thing is like okay actually everything's orchestrated by these unknowable AIs that are trying to keep this specific state of the world going and again not trying to spoil anything but xenoblade basically goes there but what it adds on to it is like this over explained nonsense that it goes beyond just like look i have no problems with spiritual or religious or psychological themes that don't necessarily have like some sort of real world metaphor to it that it's just like religiosity for the sake of religiosity or just aesthetics of that it's fine with me but what i don't like is things like, well, this guy is actually your clone, but the clone came from <laughs> your, the other side of the universe, but that part of the universe was inside this other character the whole time. But because that character died, it's now inside of me. But I am now that other character reincarnated in the future. And like, it's so dumb when I have to like, like if I have to take notes on stuff like that, I just completely glaze over and again, all, all, the, all the love to the people who love it. And I don't want to take anyone away from that. Again, I, like I said at the beginning of the show, I approach games and from the point of view that like everyone should like what they like and they shouldn't feel like they have to justify it to anyone. So my perspective is wholly just mine. I don't want to, anyone to feel like they have to defend it or, or feel like I've taken shots at, at them or the things they like. I'm just explaining why I didn't click with it. And I really didn't click with it. And I'm very disappointed Damn. because, like, the first third of the game, I loved it. I thought the combat was really good. I thought the world and the exploration were great. And it just fell apart. Damn. Yeah. It went It went from, like, dude, this might be my game of the year to, okay, I don't think I'm ever going to play this again. And it was just because, like, there's, like, one chapter in this whole game where it just, like, it just slips right into this capital X Xenoblade stuff. And I was done. And you checked yeah. out. It was it was over. Yeah. <laughs> God, damn. All right. Okay. So, did, did when you mentioned No Man's Sky yeah. earlier, d- did you cover what you wanted to say about it? Well, certainly. I mean, I I guess we explained why I I like that game. I was really impressed by what? how much it's changed because I was actually like I was pretty okay with No Man's Sky when it launched. On launch, um, I thought it was. Yeah. I thought it was very chill. You know, it was. It was a kind of. It was. It had that survival. I gotta, you know, figure out how to get off this planet. Oh, I gotta fuel up my ship. I'm gonna, you know, all that sort of thing. It was there. Is it? it is it weird to say that all of the added features overwhelm me more? Good. So here's. Does that make sense? Yes, because that's exactly how I felt going back. I was a little bit apprehensive, but I love just the vibe of that game and and just the concept as well like it's really cool 
that this is a completely procedurally generated galaxy with, you know, however many millions or billions of potential planets to explore. Like, and it, even though I'm like completely uninterested in what Bethesda is doing with uh, Starfield. Um, oh my God. Yeah. I, it's like, it's, it makes no sense. I don't know. I'm a strange person, but that game, that game is dead to me until someone brings it up. Yeah. Right. Well, okay. <laughs> at least they got rid of the dialogue wheel. Yeah. So, I don't, hey, I don't know. Hey. I, I want to be interested in that game and actually playing No Man's Sky has me a little bit more hopeful for what that game could be. But we'll see because what No Man's Sky is so simple, right? And so when you added in all of those extra features and those extra things that you, you were touching on, I thought that maybe, okay, this maybe isn't No Man's Sky anymore. But what's interesting uh, is that going back to it, as much as the, okay, you do have to interact with the base building a bit. You do have to interact with more aliens. You go on a freighter here or there. They're kind of like, signposting that hey there's a lot of things here that you can do and that you can interact with and this could be the entirety of if not your entire playthrough certainly the next five or ten hours of this game could be you know just building up a fleet of of um trade vessels or you know putting together a squadron of of roguish mercenaries to go take on other um, space pirate groups or something like that. Or you can just play it like No Man's Sky always was. And that's what I've been doing. And it's still just fine. There's a lot more to see. And I think they've made the, the flora and fauna and just the, the geography and topography of these planets more consistent and more consistently interesting. But there's no... They didn't break the core by adding yeah. all the extra stuff. There you go. 100%. Yeah, that well then that that's that's encouraging to me because yeah, like you, I was like I was happy with what it was and I understood why people were upset. I'm a person that's very like okay with broken expectations. I'm a person that like just needs to be told the bad surprise and the bad news yeah. and then I emotionally come to terms with it real fast. Yeah. So like on launch I was like, "Oh, this is fine. Hey man, whatever." And then like when they started adding stuff, I was like, "Okay, okay, this makes sense. This makes sense." And then it got to a certain point where I was I was scared. Yeah. <laughs> but that's good. One thing I will say is that uh it starts you out now in third person, and the way that you switch to third or to back to first person, if you want to play that way, which is how I I, I normally I, I I have this weird thing where like if I can play in first person in anything, I will. I even played Xenoblade Chronicles three almost entirely in first person. So I went to change that back, and you would think it's in the settings. It's not in the settings. You have to like go into one of your tools, and there's like a sub menu of a sub menu in one of your tools to change it back to first person. It's weird. So, I mean, it's still, it's still, when you fire it up, you're like, this is not the same game. But once you are stuck on a planet that has a weird, like, radiation storm every 10 minutes, and you got to find enough sodium to charge your shields, you're like, all right, now this is, this is still No Man's Sky. This is the game I love. Gotcha. <laughs> all right. Well, with that, I believe it is time for the Variety Minute. Thank you.
transition happened. All right, so this week's Variety Minute, in, in honor of Mega Man Legends, was going to be game sequels that turned into 3D, or 3D franchises that were originally 2D. Just all that stuff. So I, I have a list of them, because I think, I think that it's always a clumsy sort of thing, but my first one is, like, conceptually, I think the one that needed to be in 3D for it to succeed, and that's Grand Theft Auto. Because I think the top-down 2D Grand Theft Auto kind of sucks bad. And and once they once they got into... Once the tech sort of was able to enable a real 3D immersive experience, it, it all works out. And the more the tech happens, the more immersive Grand Theft Auto gets, and it all works out. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. It's funny, I think I only played GTA 2 of the, of the top-down ones. Oh, God. That was the only one that I played. I... I, I I should say I played like I played like GTA three and Vice City and stuff, and then I played GTA two, and it was this this curiosity to me of oh wow this is what the game used to be like, and I'm pretty sure I had I just had like a random demo of it on PC, and my friends had the game on had 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 I think it was GTA three, um, and so it was weird like going back and I was like well at least I can play GTA on my computer, um, and it's it's funny because. I, I think people really like, what's that one on DS? Chinatown okay. Wars? People really like that. And I think that one's also a top down, but I like, I, I didn't play it, but the, I heard it was it's, good. It, yeah. It's another one of those situations, like you were saying earlier, of like, I completely forget that those games exist until someone mentions, Hey, do you remember that GTA was in 2D? Cause you don't think about it. Cause like you said, it <laughs> yeah. had like 3D worked for that game so well and changed everything about it. I just can't imagine it not being that way. Yes. Yeah. And, and in especially like, cause it goes into driving and stuff. Like imagine a, any other driving game being top down where you can barely see the road. Like the, the only ones that do that are like auto scroll runners, like a uh, spy hunter mm -hmm. and stuff. And those games are not that fun when you play them no. again. <laughs> no. Did you play uh, what was that one? Um, not Hotline Miami because obviously there's some overlap there. But what was that? It was like a pixel art, top-down open-world game. Oh, Retro City Rampage! Did you play that? I did play it. I didn't mind it so much, but it goes into a thing where um, I I think I liked the game for the personality more than the gameplay. There's some games where you play for the writing or just the the style or whatever. I think the game was uh, this is gonna sound mean. I, I gotta think of a better word than the word I was gonna say. The word I was gonna say was disposable, which is not right, and that's not fair. But it 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 was it was an experience that I wouldn't want to play again. But it was good for for what I had, and I I would still recommend the game. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it, it always looked neat, and I know it came from like a place of nostalgia for those GTA games, but I, I didn't really follow. It's it. it's not that clunky. Um, I I would worry about it being clunky, but th that game is built for what it is um i mean i guess there are other games that are also top down that go into 3d metal gear is an example of one of those 2d top down things it works better in metal gear because you're not driving right. but you know yeah i uh man i actually really like the the 2d metal gear games the the ghost babble on game boy is that that is that is a future day dreamcast episode perfect. at some point that's perfect yeah that would be a yeah. good episode because it is such a 
is so obviously informed in some ways by solid by the solid games, but it's still that the early version, the early top down stuff, and um, it's yes. such a Kojima game um, in weird ways. Uh, it's cool. I don't think. Um, interestingly, I don't think that transition. Like, I think if you look at GTA, obviously there's something, certainly something gained in going from 3D, and I would say there's something for that with MGS as well, most notably the cinematic uh, cutscenes and whatnot. But I also don't think it, it necessarily lost any of that core gameplay identity that those early games had. Because, I mean, a lot of actually Metal Gear 1 is, Metal Gear Solid 1, I should say, is from a top-down perspective. So, you know, it, it certainly... Yeah, and I mean, once and once you get into two and three, three was three launched with a fixed camera, yeah, and two has a fixed camera throughout pretty much. So like, I I think I think just switching over to fixed camera also really helps games like that. Um, because yeah, no, I I agree. It it didn't really lose a lot. Um, I think the camera helped. Metal Gear Solid. I was going to ask you when you said the I default to first person every time I can. Do you do that for the later Metal Gear Solid games? Let's see. I mean, I uh, that original trailer of Metal Gear Solid Four, where it was in first person, I thought it was awesome. I was so excited about that. Um, when I did finally play it, I, I didn't play it until like uh, it was like ten years after it came out or something. But uh, um, I played it in third person, and I played all of NGS 5 in in third person unless it was like you know the gun specifically in first person so so I guess those are exceptions to the rule um, I, I think I think it's important in those games because of stealth and the ability to survey your environment and completely you know what I yeah, mean yeah you know what and in, in so, like especially in, in Peace Walker and 5 I don't think I could play those games in first person but four, because that game is basically like, oh, you can kind of stealth if you want. We don't care. Um, yes, I, I guess it's barely stealth. You can yeah. play that one in first person for a lot of it. But um, part of the charm for me of four is the, I just love the fantasy of being like, I'm a third party operative, not on either side, sneaking around two military, uh, you know, two sides of the conflict, engaged in active combat. Um, so uh, yeah, I still play that in third person. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, one of the less graceful ones was Sonic, which I want. I was so desperate to say, and you didn't mention it in your notes of uh, well, game sequels. I was like, Sonic is a fucking. I mean, that's there's a reason for that. <laughs> I have never played a Sonic game. Oh my god! Yeah. You're not missing out. I like Sonic, and you're not missing out. Yeah, no, I, I like saw <laughs> them being played a little bit uh, when I was growing up, but no one had. No one had Segas in my friend group or anything. So, yeah. Um, except for there was one girl that had a Dreamcast, and that's how I first saw Fantasy Star Online. And I was like, what the fuck is this? This is incredible. Um, but, uh, yeah, okay. So, I mean, I, Sonic to me has always been... I've always got this impression that Sonic fans were either in on a joke or not in on a joke. I couldn't tell. And it might just be that, like, maybe some Sonic games are actually good, but I always got the impression that, like, oh, we we actually don't, we all know these aren't good, but we just kind of go along with it anyway. And and that might be nice. that might be an, an unfair assessment, but that's just kind of what I that's how it appears. 
I I th- I think it appears that way because discourse. Okay. Sonic discourse is a vicious mistress. Where um especially when it goes to 2D because there's a lot of discussion about 2D or even the the early Sonic Adventure titles of whether or not they were actually good. Okay. So then when that discourse happens, you you see it and you go, "Oh, I guess they're not good and they're lying to themselves." Yes. I I think I I think the pro- and this is going to go into Mega Man. I I think the primary appeal of the franchise is not well for Mega Man it's more the gameplay but for Sonic it's almost not the gameplay at really? all it's the char- it's the characters and design first and foremost you can see this by we have a we have one Sonic episode of the Daydream cast way back when with Pavlos was still on for Sonic or Knuckles Chaotix that was one of his favorite titles and the gameplay sucks but Knuckles Chaotix is a very uh, beautiful game. It's, it, it, it's visually enriching with a lot of interesting characters, an excellent soundtrack, and those are elements that play into the things. So if you're a person that identifies with Sonic in terms of a character and things like that, it's it's one of the best mascots you could have in video okay. games. And and then for 2D, they're, they're solid enough platforms like the, the normal titles when it goes into 3d the issue was was like in their heads they were like speed speed's the answer and and that's not very good for the cameras like when you have a full 3d camera speed like that and the precision jumping just doesn't really work uh super well so then they um decided i think i think they sort of made more sense sonic adventure gave them multiple characters to where they give you gameplay variety if you didn't like one style they're like well we'll just fucking give you everything we'll give you a fucking fishing mini game and we're gonna hope you'll like it okay um and and then and then after the adventures they got onto sonic colors unleash etc etc and those are much more like uh railroaded theme park rides and those i think are the best you could do with what sonic is is. that because i don't know i mean so is that because it's taking this by railroad. Do you mean they're on rails, or are they just more I, linear? I mean, I I I kind of mean literally on so, rails. Okay. Like typically a Sonic Unleashed stage or like a normal Sonic stage nowadays is going to be him running forward, and there's basically lanes, and you hit the bumpers to sort of shift lanes of your car. So that's if correct. Sonic was a car. Does that make it sense? It does. The idea of Sonic on rails, though, makes me think of the Bit Trip Runner games. A little bit, yeah, a little bit like that. And like Two D Sonic has like a little bit of the Bit Trip Runner thing. Okay. It's just obviously they're more mobile, and you move around and you do right. stuff. Yeah, I mean, that was a, you can stop. I think that always fascinated me about the Two D Sonic. I'm in tangent here, but it's just like it felt so. There was like no direction in a weird way. And I didn't, like, when I would watch, I watched my friend, he, he, he lived up the street from me, and he was the only person I knew who had who played Sonic, and I only really been over to his house a few times, so, like, I'm talking like two or three times I saw this guy play Sonic. And it was just, it was like, I didn't know what he was doing, first of all, because it was so fast, but I was always like, I, how do you know where to go? Like, what are you even doing in this game? And I've watched a lot <laughs> of YouTubers talk about Sonic surprisingly enough and i still don't totally understand 
how you figure out where you're supposed to go in those games. <laughs> you generally move from left to right. Okay. I think I think we're going to end on that one. Sure. Maybe it's, maybe it's because at the majority of platformers that I've played in my life have been metroidvanias in, in terms of 2d platformers yes so i i look at sonic and i'm like so you can just go anywhere so you can just take this pipe anywhere how many different pathways are there yeah there's a character that just flies yeah and he just what? like okay so which which one's the right way are there different exits can i come back and collect more stuff like it opens up so many different questions for me and i like well, what's the how's the, what's the right way to play it and i still maybe one day i'll try to sit down and play sonic but uh so, so like the core difference between that and a Mario, which we'll get to in a moment, um, for for two D Sonic would be I would I would say that there's layers. This is gonna sound weird, but imagine you're going from left to right, and instead of just there being a pure stage of platforms, you could go up to a higher level, and then there is an entirely different route to the end than there is on the middle and bottom routes. Okay. So and. I mean, that's the thing is like it goes so fast and like the routes change so yes. quick. And I I was just always confused as to like how do you know you're not missing something? You're important. How do you know you're like Often you do. Often you do depending on the thing. You would probably hate Sonic C D if this is the case. Maybe. We can move Maybe. on from here. I'm also but I, like this it's not necessarily that I think it's it's bad. It's just it, it it's a it's incomprehensible when I don't have the controller in my hands is, is more what it is. Um, and I'm sure if I played it, I'd go, okay, I get it. And maybe, who knows, maybe I'd be like, okay, I get it. I get the, why people like Sonic. Sometimes, sometimes you don't get it because, like, I actually understand how you feel because there are sometimes, there are intentional uh, levels where you're meant to slow down and you're stopping and you're sort of wandering around and you're like, uh, uh, oh, I guess I jump up here. I guess I do this. I guess I do that. And you're trying to think on the fly and try to get it as fast as possible. But sometimes the game intentionally slows you down for the sake of it. Okay. So I understand what you mean. But um, anyways, we let me ask you, how do you think, what do you think the, like, how do you appreciate Zelda in the transformation to 3 Well, so, um, as I said earlier, the Nintendo 64 was my first console. Um, so, Zelda, to me, was a 3D game, first and foremost. Um, and it was like, like, you know, it was, so, it was so indelible on my mind that the idea of, like, exploring a 3D world with a dude with a sword, like, for a long time to me, like, that was video games. You know, for some people, it was... Mario, like, informed their idea of what video games were, or Final Fantasy, or Crash Bandicoot, or whatever. So for me, it's Zelda. And um, going back to the 2D stuff, um, I think Operated Time does a really good job of bringing that into um, a 3D, and the Z-targeting, obviously, is a very um, influential watershed moment in the way that both uh, camera and combat work in these games, and just being able to focus on something on screen. Um, you know, you couldn't really do that until Zelda and, and the, the team came up with, with Z-targeting, right? Um, I actually think... I actually think that Zelda did maybe, I don't want to say lose something, but there is such a difference for me personally between 2D Zelda and 3D Zelda in everything from... To, to the point of like the reason I play these games is different. Um, 
Oh, yeah. I agree 100%. No, I know what you mean. Yeah, and so, like, I don't know. Like, I think for some, I, I could see either side of the argument. If someone was like, you know what? I really just don't, I don't jive with, with reading Zelda. And I'd be like, oh, I, I get it. You know, it's, it's a very different experience. Um, I'm sure I'm, I might be jumping the gun a little bit, but it's the same reason why some people really don't like Metroid Prime or really don't like 2D yeah. Metroid, and they might like Prime a lot. It's, and so I see that split in the Zelda realm as well. Um, and I, I Well, I've talked about this at length with Pavlos uh, in multiple ways, both Metroid and Zelda. I, I think for him, and this is not the same for everybody, but for him, it was definitely like a... For 2D, there was much more of a calculated approach Whereas 3D gets messy. That's why the okay. Z targeting is there to sort of compensate for the that difference in combat, for instance, and sort of to um, that extra that extra dimension sort of complicates the design. Whereas I think 2D Zelda has an elegance to it um, yeah. that I would I would say 3D Zelda has, but it's much more in the creativity. It's much more in the immersion of it. Yeah. Um, and those are sort of like there, there's, you know, big cinematic moments. We're going into Metroid Prime and shit again. Where, whereas there's a, that's a completely different vibe than the curated experience yeah. of uh, a 2D Zelda. It's funny because I, I'm trying to think. I'm pretty sure my first 2D Zelda, it would have been Link's Awakening DX. Um, but I didn't, I mean, there was a game that I, either borrowed or something like that and to me i was like this is this is weird like this is not what i think <laughs> yeah. of zelda but i i really liked the game and it, you know i was, it was still link and i was still all this stuff but it was like there was this kind of like sense of this is an old thing in my like eight-year-old brain or whatever when i when i first played it. I was <laughs> yeah. like, this is not that's fair it was a game boy game that's fair <laughs> yeah um and like compared to, because I was used to, I think I'm pretty sure I played that after even Majora's Mask, and then I played the Seasons game, Season and Ages, and all that stuff. I didn't go back to Links or um, Link to the Past until I was like, I don't know, I was certainly, I was certainly early. No, I'm sorry, I was like mid to late teenager years. Like I, I was pretty old when I, like comparatively to where I found, like, I was eight when I played Ocarina of Time. So I was like, we're talking like almost ten years later. I played uh, a link to the past, and I kind of didn't like it, and Damn. I was really disappointed. Damn. And um, a link to the past is a slapper. I don't. I'm, he does not speak for me, dear. Well, viewer. I'm not saying that's bad. I'm saying that it it didn't. Um, <laughs> it just I I don't know. It didn't hit me the way they're different. They hit. Yeah, different. it didn't hit me the way I was hoping, which is funny because I love. Legend of Zelda, like the the NES game, and I love. I agree, one hundred. It's that's a those are tippy tops for me. I think, I think one of the issues with the Link to the Past as a title. This is unfortunately we already had this scheduled as a future Daydream Cast episode with another guest, so I can't talk too much about the Link to the Past. However, I will say this: I think the game itself influence so much of 3d zelda um whereas like that is like the like ocarina of time like a huge chunk of its dna is that and then the rest of it is 
everything special about 3D. Yeah. Um, so, so when you play A Link to the Past, you are playing an old-ass version of Ocarina of Time, if that makes sense. Yes. I think, too, um, when I played it, you know what? Actually, I was a little bit, I was probably like, maybe 15, so probably like five years after I, five or six years after I played Ocarina. But anyway, um, I was in this mindset the first time I played it that seems to persist every time I play it. I can't get out of it. Of, I need to kill every enemy on the screen, and that's not necessary unless the, the, the rooms require you to do that. And I think that's just because when I played other Zelda games, that's what I did. I always killed every enemy on yeah. the screen. And um, doing that in A Link to the Past felt tedious and really slowed the game down for me. Interestingly enough, I think A Link Between Worlds is fantastic, and I've beaten that game, I am not kidding, I think 12 times. So, yeah. A Link Between Worlds is also a slapper. It is probably, I'm not going to say it is better, but I, it gave me so much hope for the future of the franchise, and then right after Breath of the Wild came out, and I was so happy. So I'm like super high on Zelda yeah. again. Yeah, so. same, same. Anyway, yeah, so that's, I mean, so that... That is obviously I would I was obviously gonna have a lot to say about about Zelda's transition to three D. So, um, but yeah, I, I think I think it's it was interesting to say the least. And even if I have kind of weird opinions on like which ones are good and bad, I think it's a really interesting uh, look at game design and how they handled those those transitions, especially for Zelda. Um, do what lessons do you like? Now we're going into Metroid. Yeah. <laughs> so, so how how do you feel about Metroid Prime? As if you haven't already seen it. It is my favorite video game of all time. Um, Damn. It is... I mean, here's the thing. I think Breath of the Wild might be the best video game I've ever played. I know. Not necessarily a very uh, uh, novel opinion. Certainly a lot of other game journalist types hold this opinion. Um that Breath of the Wild might be the best game ever made. Uh, and I, I, I agree with that. But the reason that Metroid Prime is my favorite game ever ever made is because I uh, I mean, it just hit at the right time, all that sort of thing. Um, and uh, I never played anything like it. And frankly, I never actually played another game like Metroid Prime that completely scratched the Metroid Prime itch. And, and you'll probably understand what I'm saying. Until I played Kingsfield two and Kingsfield four, like I I know I know what you mean by that. Kingsfield two was like oh my gosh, <laughs> like when I, when I when I played it 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 connects in a different yeah. way. Yeah, like, like that that sense of interconnectedness, the sense of like always being like what the fuck do I do? Where do I go? Um, I really like that uh, in in Metroid Prime. And the thing that the thing that Prime does compared to its two D counterparts really well is I once heard I, if I could remember who said this I would I would uh, I would shout them out but I can't remember so I apologize um, but someone once said that Metroid Prime is what happens when you take the opening like ten five or ten minutes of Super Metroid when you get to uh, back to um, Zetus and you get on the planet and it's raining and it's just like really low strings you hear the thunder you're going through the whole uh, facility uh, it's basically silent there are no enemies 
you get the morph ball, the uh, eye camera opens up and sees you, suddenly there's uh, space pirates. And all this. It's, that, it's that extremely atmospheric, very dense um, uh, opening. Opening. And it's, it's, it's that for an entire game. And um, I agree with that. And so that is why, and that is surprisingly enough, one of my favorite parts of Super Metroid. And every time I replay it, I replay Super Metroid probably once every two or three years at least. Maybe uh, lately I might even once a year now that it's on on Switch. Um, And I just like that opening. It just sucks me in immediately, and I'm just there, and I will play the whole game. If I play that, that that five or ten minutes, like oh, I'm just I'm gonna play this over the next two days, um, and I think what Metroid in 3D does is it lets it lets you in like it lets you be in that in that environment. It lets you be in the environment more, right? And it, instead of it being the power fantasy of overcoming uh, and like just becoming the super powered, super fast, super you know, suited whatever uh, mercenary bounty hunter. It's it's the power fantasy of, um, of of investigating and solving mysteries and navigating and understanding an environment um, that is hostile to you. Because like I feel like in two D Metroid, it's like it's mastery of mechanics, whereas three D Metroid is it's like mastery of your own understanding of what's happening around you does that make sense yeah Yeah. spatial awareness ultimately yeah i mean i think there's a lot of i think there's a lot of interesting overlap in in like the immersive sim genre stuff like system shock and bioshock to an extent and ultima underworld uh prey 2017 i think there's a lot of that same that same like spatial awareness and like understanding and problem solving goes into Metroid. And even though Metroid is more, I should say Metroid prime specifically. And even though prime is more directed, the solutions have are pretty much prescribed unless you're doing like speed running, uh, sequence breaking type stuff. Um, yeah, there's, it, there's a lot of similarities there. Um, and it's why I brought up System Shock earlier. Like people say, like, "Oh, System Shock, it's it's you know, it's designed similarly to Metroidvania," and it is sort of. And you know, there are some dungeon crawlers from like back in the '80s and '90s that were kind of like you know, first-person Metroidvania environments or whatever. But um, nothing, I don't know, no two D game in the Metroid series feels like navigating talent for no that's yeah, fine actually I, I am really curious though because you and i have uh on discord uh, both in, in like in dms and in various servers we have both heartily agreed that we both really like metroid prime and might consider it like a great yes. game one of our personal favorites but i don't think i've ever heard how, like first how you found it or like why you feel that way, and I'm wondering if you could, like, I just want to know that, and if you could house it, convey, in, in the, convey like, why I like Metroid Prime. Yeah. Um, it go on on the base why I like it. The the history is different. Um, it was probably my first first person shooter. 
Oh, interesting. Um, that I actually identified with and was able to play at length. I would say that probably before that, when I was a wee lad, I played like GoldenEye on the 64. Mm. But I was probably not like, I wasn't there mentally. <laughs> I just was not a smart cookie. So um, Metroid Prime on the GameCube was when I started coming into my own. So when I think of first person shooters, I think of metroid prime first and foremost and i think of like navigating in that way and i think of navigating environments in the metroid prime way um so those so that sort of informs the whole thing and why i like metroid prime in in comparison to the rest of the franchise has to do with all the things we generally said to bring it to more of a dark souls focus or whatever um it allows you to interact with the environment in very specific ways like the scanner for instance, sure, yeah. the scanner allowing me to learn the lore of the game. Um, I, I actually like Metroid's story, and I like how in Prime you can engage with it at your pace. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things I like about games. Yeah. So I think, I think for me, Prime taught me how to like games at an early age. Have you played, I mentioned it earlier, have you played Marathon? Bungie's marathon games? No, I haven't. Um, I'm not saying you would like them, but um, uh -oh. <laughs> but everything you just said about the way that you interact with uh, the story, especially, and um, I think I think it's an interesting like historical antecedent to Prime because Prime definitely took some inspiration from Marathon and the way that it, it like you're you're getting the story from like terminals and computer log entries and that sort of thing um but yeah. marathon is it's happening to you and those a lot of those computer log entries are talking to you and like not like in like a showdown actually kind of like showdown and, and system shock and whatnot but um i think you might if you ever feel the itch to explore a more slower paced and um thinking man's boomer shooter from that era i would try out oh, okay try, All right. try out try out marathon <laughs> the big brain boomer yeah. shooter okay i appreciate not only is it, it I, I will take that not only is it big brain just because it's like oh hey you know there's more of a story here than doom um remember all that crazy stuff we're talking about with xenoblade oh it, it, it was, goes all into but that what if it was but what if it was like weird fourth wall breaking stuff and it was like actually kind of cool yeah. oh that's sounds... yeah, that's pretty good um it, it, it does some stuff that uh, people are like, oh my god, I can't believe Nier Automata in, 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 it directly invokes the player. It's like, bro, you gotta go play Marathon. <laughs> See, I was I was under the impression that it would be just more complex Halo. Well, I mean, or like Destiny, but different in terms of lore. So every single Bungie game technically takes place in the same world universe. Uh -oh. So you're not wrong. Oh no! Um, yeah, there's a there's a there's a marathon story website that has been going since the game came out, and it has like over one thousand pages of just story discussion. I'm not talking like like Wikipedia entries. I'm like people dis discussing new discoveries of this, and it was like it's been recently updated at, like as of last month. You know, like oh my yeah. god. Anyway. That's terrifying, but that's yeah, cool. Yeah, it's really cool. 
I like I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Sorry. We have to I'm worried about time. No, we're good. Okay. So so Mario. Okay. Did you have a take on Mario going 3D? <laughs> yeah, I do. Um okay. Man. I don't like Mario 64, oh, no. man. I think it's kind of a I think it's kind of an overrated game. I get why it's important. I get what it did for the for the genre, for video games in general, um, Mario's momentum in that game is it just, I hate it. I hate the way he feels. I think Sunshine was a, a worse game in terms of design, but it felt better to play. And I don't think Mario 3D ever fully clicked with me until I played 3D Land, excuse me, on the 3DS. And that's when I was like, that makes, okay. Yeah, this makes sense. I get, I get 3D Land. 3D Land's good. Yeah. 3D Land's really good. And I love Odyssey. Um, did you play any other 3D sequel? Like, yeah, do you like I Odyssey? I love Odyssey. I think Odyssey is my favorite Mario game. And I think that, um, I think 3D World, which I played on Switch, and then um, Mario uh, Bowser's Fury are incredible. I think Bowser's Fury is such a, like, it, it, it's just like, it, it's distilled Mario and then it's so innovative, but it's also so familiar. It's like a, it's a master class in, in innovation, like it, of how you innovate on a game without breaking it. It's I think I yeah think I agree. Bowser's Fury is great. Um, I think Bowser's Fury is way better than base game. Hundred percent. I really like World. I think it's just more land. I think land is more interesting because of the stereoscopic, three uh, D and. Yeah. Um, just the form factor of, of the package, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. I don't know. I think 2D Mario is more fun to me. I agree. I, I, I think Mario belongs in 2D ultimate. Yeah, I think like I but. think I think Odyssey captured a lot of that for me, and so did 3D Land and Bowser's Fury, obviously. I mean, like those are all very good, very fun games. But like I don't know. I think I I, I just don't think I don't think you can. And do you like Galaxy? I mean, I think so. Yeah, I do like Galaxy, but I didn't really play Galaxy. Um, the, oh, see, I Galaxy was like my shit when I was a teen. Wii, that was like my fucking game. The Wii to me was the system I played Twilight Princess on, and then I played Metroid Prime Three on it, and I played Resident Evil Four on it. And I'm looking at my Wii collection right now. I have Xenoblade, and then I have. Uh, did I say Twilight Princess? Yeah, and then I have uh, yes. the, the Prime Collection, the Trilogy Collection. That's literally I, I played That's Smash it. with my with my siblings. That's it. Those are the only games I really played on there. Otherwise, Damn. I was like just going through old GameCube games on there. I did not really have well, much time with the Wii. Well, all right. In my opinion, Mario goes into like I'm trying to think of how to to describe the appeals of Mario. I think there are two core pillars of appeal for Mario in both uh, 2D and then 3D, but 3D just handles it differently, which is one is precision platforming and obstacle course. Mm -hmm. And then the other part is creative mechanics and unique designs. And um, I think with that, um, I can understand and and when when it goes into 3D, the uh, fluctuations go crazy. Yeah. Um. In terms of what games compensate for what, so like when you say like Sunshine, f- 
feels good. I, I don't know if I would say I don't know if I would say it feels good. I think I like I think I just like the the way the GameCube Mario feels on the GameCube controller versus the way Mario felt on the Nintendo 64 controller to me. I think the Nintendo 64 controller sucks if that's what you're trying I mean, to say. Yeah. Yeah. But I also like when I play Mario 64, whether it's on the Nintendo 64, on the Nintendo Switch, on uh, the <laughs> the illicit PC port, every single time I play that, I'm like, I just don't like the way Mario feels. And I don't know what it is. Uh, see, I see. But like, um, I mean, I don't think I don't think Sunshine is a better game. It just I have I have, not only was I trying to have a hot take, I just don't think I like sixty four that well. So. <laughs> I I think that's fair. I mean, I think looking at sixty four with what I said about the pillars, mm-hmm. I think they I like how Mario moves in sixty four a really? lot. Okay. I think the issue is is that the game stops being fun for me in that last stretch of stars like those last courses which um no longer are about exploring a tiny little uh world and doing like singular missions which is really what they start exploring in the later titles in terms of oh this is a fun thing you can do here's a slide here's this or that um in those later sections of 64 they are much more about testing your precision and it's hard it's it's hard with how mario i think i think my issue with uh 64's mario in terms of movement is how how uh he has to turn sometimes if you have to do a unless you're doing a a full 180 he has to like turn to uh change direction it's very complicated to say unless you played the like you have to be in front no. of it for me to like show you the thing, but it's not it's not great. And then if you play the DS version, the DS version's botched in terms of the D pad and directions, uh-huh. so you can't go like a full uh you can't go in full three D space. You can only go uh, eight ways. So then so then it gets botched that way. Um, I can understand not liking sixty four. I get it. I think it is influential, and I think a lot of the things that you like about Odyssey, for example, are just like you know, part and parcel from, uh, 64. Really? Okay. So I just like, I, that's my I, opinion. I, just, I don't know. Maybe I'm no, wrong. No, no, no. I, I, I think I've never, I'm, I mean, I, to be honest, I've never really sat down and thought about like, why do I not like, and I always say it's because I don't like the way that Mario feels, but I, I actually don't think I've ever really, I mean, to be honest, I'm not a 3d platformer guy in general. Like I played Spyro the dragon for the first time this year. So, um, I, you know, I've never really played that many of them. So I don't have necessarily, outside of literally the Mario games and then the Rayman games, I don't really have a strong, like, 3D platformer vocabulary, let's say. Um, so I could I could come to appreciate Mario, but it, like, to me, I'm like, I don't like the way he feels. I'm just going to go back and That's play fair. Super Mario Land 3. It, it it's just curious because like I'm I, I was just wondering the difference in Odyssey versus sixty four in terms of like I how like he moves. I, I, I like the Cappy moves a lot I like the um, there's a certain sense of um, in sixty four I always felt like I was um, obviously you start every you jump in the painting you pick your star and that's what you're going for right. 
and you might find other stuff along yes. the way or whatever. And, and, and then you get kicked out of the stuff, you get kicked out of the uh, level and you start over. I think that that loop is just unappealing to me at a certain point. And I find that Odyssey is way, there's just a more playfulness and this uh, freedom to the fact like, I just pick up a moon, keep going, pick up a moon, keep going. Oh, what's that over there? I'm going to go explore that. Got that. All right. I'm going to look over this side of the map. Whoa, there's something else over there. I'm going to go, I'm going to use my, I'm going to, you know, fling my hat at this bird. And now I'm like doing some light puzzle solving uh, using this bird uh, that pokes his beak into the wall and flings up, you know, I like the, I don't know, there's just like this flow to Odyssey that it just never really stops moving. And I, I, I like that way that feels. This all this all makes sense where there's a momentum within the world and it doesn't halt mm-hmm. every time. Um, it makes me wonder your opinion on Galaxy because Galaxy is is like 64 in the stop and start, but also there is no picking up along the way. If there is a beach world in Galaxy, um, each star is completely different pretty much. Okay. And you'll be com- doing a completely different thing on a different planet of the beach planet sounds complicated, but you'll get it if you play it. So like, I, I wonder if you'd be okay with that. And 64 is just an unhappy marriage between those two philosophies or if it's, or if it's literally just the freedom of Odyssey, because Odyssey is a free game, you know? Yeah. And that's, I think I I really appreciate the freedom of Odyssey. Um, And I like the, I like the way a galaxy looks. I think the, music is great um i played a few levels of the first one um but i've never played it beyond i don't know maybe an hour so it's maybe something that like i will go back to like i said i'm kind of i actually made an effort this year to play some free platformers beyond the ones that i played growing up so um you know i i, I have the rest of the spiral games to get through my friend really wants me to play crash bandicoot um for some reason and uh yeah, so so maybe I should put like a good game on there. I guess not saying that they're bad. Just, <laughs> yeah, that that'd be nice. Yeah. Maybe not. Maybe not play the Spiros and Crashes. Not not to throw shade. I like them. Yeah, we'll I see. Thought Spyro <laughs> one was fine. I thought it was fine. Yeah, I beat it like what I was. They're, they're fine games. They're all fine games. I will I will admit that. I will say I, I, since we're on it, and I'm not gonna. We won't. I, I know I, I tend to be long winded when I get on a tangent, but uh, I really like the Rayman Rayman two and Rayman. I think is a pretty good game, but Rayman 2, I think, is uh, my opinions on the creator notwithstanding. Um, I think Rayman 2 is a, like that's that game needed to be in 3D. I think Rayman as a as a as a franchise as a property needed to be in 3D for it to fully be its weird uh, French comic book inspired self and. She belongs in 3D, yes. yeah. And I think to that... To look back to Grand Theft Auto, whereas, yeah. But I think that what's interesting about the Rayman, um, the Rayman uh, example is that his return to 2D with Legends um, and uh, and Origins before it, and, and personally I like Origins more than Legends, but I think both are great games, um, is that it was informed by the 3D games, um, even though it, like it's, it's referencing the 2D stuff that came before it, on like the PlayStation and whatnot, the the two E games, to me, like might as well just be where Rayman started 
so that jump to 3D was necessary for Rayman's true identity to come through in the world and in yeah. the humor and all that stuff. So um, I think in terms of franchises that made the jump to 3D very well, uh, I would put Rayman pretty high up there. That all makes sense. Yep, yep. Sometimes sometimes it's not even a growing pain. I wouldn't say it like that. But it was a necessary step in evolution. Yeah, it, it found itself in, in that transition. Uh, well... Well, we have a, we have a, let me ask you anyways, let's, to, to try to segue here. Did you ever play Mega Man X7? Yes, I did for like a minute at my friend's house. The same friend that I keep referencing when I ever talk about a PlayStation 2 game, it's my friend Nick's house. Uh, Yeah, I played it there. Uh, I don't know. I'm sorry, Nick. I apologize I don't, for your pain and something. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. I'm not entirely sure he even really ever played that game very much. I think I played it more than he did. Uh, That's fair. Uh, That's yeah, fair. it's. But I think other, as you're segueing into, I think other Rayman or excuse me, uh, Mega Man games made the transition much better. I I agree, and with that, we will go. and make sure everything's in working order. I swear the treasure will be ours or my name's not Bond. Let's do it! This week's episode is Mega Man Legends, uh, released on the PlayStation in 1997. 1997, that's fucking crazy. Uh, <laughs> known as Rockman Dash in Japan. In a world covered with endless Damn water, it, I, there are small... Po- <laughs> yeah, I, had to I was going yeah. to try and fit it in there somewhere, but you got. I knew I should have known. Keep going. Yeah, I had to put it at the start, man. Uh, There are small pockets of civilization on islands with people just trying to get by. Uh, They thrive on technology recovered in interconnected ruins deep underground. The people that recover the technology are called diggers. You play as Mega Man Volnut, one of those diggers, uh, and adopted child of Grandpa Barrel Casket and your sister Roll Casket. Your airship breaks down and you have to take residence uh, at Catalox Island. 
a nice little uh, city with uh, deep secrets buried underneath. You explore the ruins, all while defending the town from sinister uh, pirates called the Bond family. And there's uh, some deep lore surprises at the end. Uh, the game is a bit complicated. It's not a normal Mega Man game. It's in three dimensions. Uh, there's town segments and there's dungeon segments with other separate missions to the side. Uh, Brendan can talk about that a little bit later. Um, but there's, uh, it, there's also a thin layer of RPG, particularly in purchasing and equipping unique stats and weapons, but nothing too crazy. It'd be more comparable to a Zelda than an actual RPG in that sense. Um, you shoot at enemies with big old projectiles and uh, the game uh, keeps a unique pace of uh, impressive cutscenes, goofy town missions, and uh, some slightly more unique enemy segments to break up the pace of the pure dungeon crawling. Now, Brendan, what did you think of this game? So, I quite like Mega Man Legends. I think it is a game... It is a game that maybe doesn't have the most technically impressive... Uh, visuals or anything like actually I mean I think that the, the textures are, are great and the art style itself is great yes. and maybe the controls are clunky it's a very uh, early attempt at a 3D action adventure RPG-ish type of game especially on the uh, PlayStation 1 but it is very charming I think it holds up pretty well and um, as much as I I wouldn't say it's like the best Mega Man but there's just something about this game for me, that it's like it's like maybe my favorite Mega Man setting, um, and uh, yeah, I, I really like it for a lot of reasons. Do Do you think it's because of the dungeon crawling? No, no. Uh, I, I okay. My my. So I only played Mega Man Legends for the first time, I think two, three, two or three years ago. And, in, and since then, I've played it another two or three times. Most recently, I played it, uh, it was like April or May, I think I played it, um, as kind of like a post-Elden Ring uh, palate cleanser. I just wanted... <laughs> I, I understand what yeah, you I mean. I just wanted yeah. something short and sweet, and, um, you know, that wasn't going to kick my ass a bunch of times, and was, was, you know, it still felt like an adventure, but it wasn't going to take me 400 hours or whatever. Um this game can be pretty short. Yeah, I mean, I think I think my first playthrough was probably close to seven, but everyone since then has been probably more around five five ish hours, maybe six. Um, which it really depends on whether or not you do the sides. Yeah, and I think which is completely optional for a lot. And I think that's the the, the reason I played the it longer the first time is because I did most of, if not all, of the side stuff. And then every every time I play it again, yeah. it's really just to like. It just to get like the story and and just have that that little bite sized adventure again. Um, the reason I like this game um, is because of the vibe. Like it's just the, it's the setting. I've always loved yeah. anything that has to do with like whether it's islands in the water or islands in the sky, whether it's pirates or space pirates or sky pirates or any of that sort of thing. Um, I really resonate with that. And I think it's, it might be because I was really into Wind Waker when I was growing up. Like that was like, I, I can see like, that. I, I, that game, I played that game over a summer vacation. And like, so when I wasn't playing Wind Waker, I was like outside, like at rivers or in pools or 
playing in my sprinkler in the backyard. So it was always water in my mind that, that, that summer. So I don't know, it made a real impression. I loved reading Moby Dick in school because I liked the, 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 the nautical adventure things. Um, and so like this game to me was just, I don't know, it just hit that, that not just the, the like, the thematic stuff that I like, but it was like I was having nostalgia for a game I never actually played growing up. Um, if that makes sense, it was like, oh wow, this feels like something from the, this era um, that I never experienced. And it was like a warm blanket. And, and I, I just fell in love with it immediately. The dungeon crawling stuff that I, that you have, that you mentioned and that I've brought up in, in some of like my videos and I say it on Twitter every once in a while is really... Go ahead and plug the one video. Go ahead. Oh yeah, the wizardry video, which is, uh, yeah, I, I, I did a whole like deep dive in the whole wizardry series and how it influenced like tons of video games you've played. Um, it's literally called How Wizardry Influenced Your Favorite Video Game. It's on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash the crawl. Uh, anyway, Mega Man Legends was brought up in that in that because it basically is a dungeon crawler. <laughs> like, it's how it's structured. Yeah. And so obviously, like, I appreciate that about this game, which is, I think, what you were kind of trying to allude to earlier. Um, anyway, yeah, uh, another ramble for me, but... Uh, yeah, the dungeon crawling is is good. I think. Um, <laughs> I, I think it's the worst part of the game. No, no, no. Okay, I shouldn't say it like that. Okay, I think combat is the worst part of the game. I agree. I think. <laughs> Does that I think make sense? Especially, it especially completely falls apart uh, against the bosses. Um, yes. Like yes. The the thing. My. I am very lucky in that I played this game on a Vita every time I played it. And I played it with the Damn. controls remapped so that I could turn the camera with the left or the left and right sticks are so it, it controls more like a a third person dual stick game. Um, even though it yeah. is still kind of like that it's the tank controls thing, right? And I've 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 made comments before that like Mega Man Legends is one of my favorite Kingsfield games. And it's all because, like, I mean, not only because it's a dungeon crawler, but also because, like... It's literally how you move the fucking yeah, camera. exactly. And, um... With the fucking shoulder buttons. Oh, my God. And so, um... Like, this game can be a real chore if you don't play it either, like, on a Vita or a PS3 or something like that, or if you emulate it. Um, if you played on original hardware, man, I don't know. You might not have a great time. Is that how you played it? Yeah. No, I I, emu I emulate all these things. I take a I take a page from the Bond family. If you know what sure, I'm saying, yeah. I, I do own I do own the original copies, and I I am it, oh, wow. I, I did grow up with these games. Yes, I did, but I I don't I don't have a PlayStation anymore. Interesting. So I just I can yeah. Um, I think. I think the art design is the most important part of the game. And I think I know immediately what you mean when you say it feels like a game you've played before. I think it's really telling that it's one of the most um, visually distinct, to me at least, one of the most visually distinct 3D polygon PlayStation games. Like you can just look at it and see those textures and those colors and how they pop in a really nice way. It feels, I I've seen it compared to like Studio Ghibli stuff. Yeah. 
Um, it feels very Saturday morning anime, which is very in line with the classic series of Mega Man. Yes. And um, yeah, and I I think it works really well when you go into the dungeons. Um, they, they'll have a lot of repeating enemy designs. The Reaver bots are not necessarily the most uh, unique, um, but they'll they'll have a nice change in color i particularly like it was a breath of fresh air when you go into like the water dungeon and like you just get really nice blues yeah. and um i also like how the game um i like the town segment i like i think Mega Man prides itself on character design and this is a very relaxing character design where th there's nothing super out there everything is just very wholesome um, even the Bond Pirates, which I think are the most unique uh, character designs in the game, um, I think they are still very, like, memorable in a very nice way. There's there's no real jagged edges to it. It's, it's a very nice game in that sense as well. Yeah. I like exploring the environments, um, particularly since they'll hide a lot of unique items in certain places. You find the fucking Mega Man helmet mm -hmm. in a box behind a house in like a corner of the of the overworld it's crazy so like you are encouraged to like scour the fucking land and in the dungeons they actually have unique textures like holes in the wall yeah. for you to look to get little bits so that's like awesome to me that's like what i want yeah i think that that is actually what this game like the strength of this game is how it encourages you to explore um and yeah, like the dungeon walls might look boring because it's like a, you know it's it's like a dungeon crawler where it's everything is a tile you know it's it's repeating tiles of a tile set and each um, floor of the dungeon kind of has its own theme you know like it's orange here okay it's green here as you said earlier it's blue and there's water here um, and you know there might be like multiple wall textures in each uh floor but they all have the same basic color palette and they're all completely flat like there's no this this area has the circular walls and this area has like the angled walls it, they're all just it's just you're walking through boxy corridors and i can see how someone who prioritizes visual like fidelity and um, variety might find that boring but when you look at it from the point of view of like, oh, this is a dungeon crawler, it completely makes sense. Um, the all, all, like the layout, the way that like you were saying, that there's like cracks in the wall and stuff. Um, it it really just it it it's a really interesting way to do a 3D action adventure game to pull from like the like old school dungeon crawlers. Um, and it's also, I mean, secretly, I mean, some people might might disagree. I think that Mega Man Legends fits the metroidvania definition in that you're unlocking uh every like there's there's ability gated areas and every the, the entire dungeon isn't just a bunch of different discrete areas they all interconnect and crisscross each other um so by the end of the game like you are like you might go into one area and you can get to the complete other side of the town or the map just by going through a few hallways drilling down a wall and then going up an elevator. And I think that that is, um, it's something that Mega Man Legends 2 did not do. And I think that um, for as much as Mega Man Legends 2 is a better looking game and uh, 
improved on in a lot of ways. I think Mega Man Legends, even though it's visually uninteresting, its level design and just the sense of exploration is far better. I would agree with that. Yeah. And and to talk about combat, because I, I was going to complain about combat in my own way. Yeah. Um, I, I did not have such luck of remapping. Um, but I circle strafed. That's yeah. that's what you fucking do in these games, baby. <laughs> um I I had I had my least amount I, I didn't I don't mind circle strafing and jumping and shooting. I actually liked it in some like when it, when you get near the end and like Mega Man Juno the final boss for instance. Um, I like dodging his his shit. It, that's all fun. I I actually was more frustrated when you were stuck in a specific right. area and you had to basically aim to like shoot down missiles. For instance, if Teasel exactly. Bond was shooting missiles at you, that's where it's like, oh my god, this game. And that's, is, that's usually it's trying me. Like the stuff that like the few times that I have game over in this game has always been against Tisa Bond. It, it's whether it's you're fighting uh, the, the like the bulldozer giant excavator thing in the, the oh my god one. don't get me started yeah. on that. or the the bit like the penultimate boss where you're on the back of the of the, uh, I, I, the the flutter that's the name of it right uh, and you're shooting at the yes you know they're the, you're on the airship yes. and you're fighting his yes, airship. Fighting their airships. Yes. Um, those are not fun. Like, and no. and that's the game. I don't think was designed for that. And I don't know if that was maybe a holdover of them saying, okay, it's a Mega Man game. The bosses have to kind of be this way. But like the arena bosses, as long as you're circle strafing and you're jumping at the right times, for the most part, they're fine. The game, yeah, I, yeah. As much as the combat is maybe uninteresting and shallow, um, at least those encounters, it's like they were designed around what this game could do, which is the surface shaping. So, whereas, like, yeah, yeah, a lot of the set pieces just aren't, and it's a bummer. Uh, yep, I agree with that. Um, I like I like the town segments with the different little side quests or yeah. whatever. I, I do like them where you can build the, you can rebuild buildings after they've been destroyed. It's so like the police station. Then you go to talk to the detective and he has missions for you where you go to the cases and all that. All that stuff's very nice. It's very optional, very unimportant. So if you're just wanting to speed through this game, you can do that. But I I enjoy breathing in those moments and I like the cutscenes. For me, the cutscenes are like the reason to propel yourself forward this is one of the few games where uh, i am eager to uh see what happens next yeah i absolutely agree with that i mean and it's all because of how charming the bonds are right at least for me yeah like, i i mean i like roll and mega man and i like the you know Ralph, Rolf's grandpa and everyone it's they're good you know they're all right but yeah this is, this is the the tron bond trilogy you know between this Misadventures of Tron Bond and then Mega Man Legends 2. Um, those three games. They're just the most interesting characters. And, like, and that's it's so clear that, that the game isn't hiding that. Like the, It's clear the developers, the story writers, everyone knew that the, the most interesting people in this game are the Bonds. And um, another place I think that Mega Man Legends 2 falters, not in, in, in case you just talk about the game in the future, not to spoil any future episodes, but. Um, where I think that game falters is that it becomes too much of the the Mega Man lore 
and it, they sidelined the bombs too much. I actually like how they did Mega Man lore in this game. Yes, it, where it's like it's like kind of just tucked away at the very end, and you're like, oh, whoa. Yes. That's, that it, is a surprising twist. Um, we could spoil or whatever. So basically... Um, at the end, you, you go you go deep enough underground to find the big ass crystal and the big secret under the under the town. And there's a, another Mega Man there named Mega Man Juno, and he is a robot. And he his task or whatever is to manage carbon populations. That means people, and he's just gonna kill all the people on the island. And you're also a secret robot, and you just you have amnesia. You don't know what's going on. And uh, you're like, that's not right. We have to stop this. But the game gets really dark in those last moments because this entire game has been against the Bonds, which have been cartoony yeah. and very lovable, and they've been mischievous. And not, but not um, only do you have amnesia. Go ahead. It's it, it, your little cute robot um, monkey yes. data, data is actually the like the external hard drive that you as Mega Man that Mega Man downloaded his memories into to be accessed at he, a later time he, he got your save data literally in yeah. as you play the game and literally in the story yeah. he has your save which is data. such a fun it's such a fun and, and clever way to like it, it's this is why this dude's been saving your data because he's literally your save data. Yes, yeah, he's your backup yeah. in case you fuck so, up. Yes, yep. Um, I, I just, I just like the tone shift, and it's like just enough lore to be like, oh, there's, there's shit going on, and then you see like how distant in the future it is, where like it's, it's now so vague. As to the difference between robots and humans, they're just called vaguely carbons, and a lot of the people have robot elements to them. So, like, if you've played them in, in terms of franchise, it just feels so vaguely futuristic. Yeah. It feels like Wind Waker or some shit, where you're like, yeah, whoa, yeah, what yeah. the fuck? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a perfect analogy. Actually, part of the reason why I was interested in trying Mega Man Legends was because um, I played some Mega Man when I when I was growing up, I played a lot of the X series, um, but I never was like die hard into Mega Man, but um, it was like, I don't know, seven or eight years ago, I learned about the Zero and ZX games. Um, and yeah. I, I, I was like, well, there's a, there's a Metroidvania Mega Man game. So I played ZX. I liked it pretty well. Played ZX Advent. I thought it was, it was fine. I think, People were split on which one they like better. I preferred the first CX, and then I played Zero. And while they don't have the Metroidvania elements necessarily, I was blown away by those games. I love the Zero, and I really like CX. And then I found out that Legends is technically the continuation, like millennia later, of those games. And um, yeah. they don't really connect as I was hoping. But what I did find was, no. you know another deep well of extremely weird um, Mega Man lore in history that um, it, the tone shift actually fits pretty well with the tone of Zero and, and ZX. Yes, I agree. It, it, it sort of goes back in line once you look back at the past. As you continue to unearth, the top part, the island, is very happy. It's very, it is very childlike. And the deeper you go into it, the more violent it gets. And I think that's very like 
appropriate both for genre and for the franchise. Yes. Um, another thing it reminds me of, I don't know, you mentioned Ghibli. Uh, did you ever watch um, Turn a Gundam? Turn no. a Gundam? Um, okay. It's same same idea where it's basically like it's the super far future and it's this idyllic pastoral life but actually there's a bunch of mobile suits that are underground and like high technology is everywhere and oh just kidding there's like a, a race of superhuman people on the moon that decide to invade the planet and so you know yeah. some kid has to pilot spoiler some alert kid has to pilot the ancient technology which is this weird looking gundam with a mustache and um yeah. and so it, i got the same vibe there like I, there's just something about that like it's actually not... This, this taps into mainline anime. where, And I mean, Mega Man always does that, where it taps into like these pop culture like touchstones. I mean, like classic heavily with like uh, Astro Boy and like other aspects. Like they also do like a lot of Blade Runner stuff yeah. in these um, things. Yeah. And it's it's always nice how, how like the rapper is always great and then like in it goes into the sonic thing where it's like that wrapper of character design is so amazing and then like as a franchise they also just make good games so then you're like whoa and they're always unique games too like we we didn't talk about like they're not in continuity but like i love how unique the battle network series is and those games are like so great about character design there and stuff like they're just so able to capitalize on these elements and properties and stuff i just love Mega Man. that's just it and i think to bring it back to legends i think legends for a lot of people is a departure from the calculated sort of specific level design of a traditional 2d Mega Man game but i think what it instead does is it it is able to take a lot of the elements of character design and fun and like a little undertone of seriousness and then put it into another genre right. and that other genre is able to make it thrive right and so maybe you can speak to this because i don't i'm not familiar necessarily with the quote-unquote Mega Man fandom very much like i said i uh, I, 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 I'm not. I'm not really versed. I haven't played all the games. I don't really interact with a lot of Mega Man media um, outside of. Oh, hey, this dude reviewed ZX, or, or this person has a the Mega Mania. Sure, yeah. So, um, <laughs> sure. Um, I've I spent a lot of time like looking at textures for Mega Man Legends and stuff like that from like a design perspective. I'm very familiar with it from that end because, like, you know, as someone who makes games and aspires to make games that maybe look a little bit like Mega Man Legends. Um, I want to know how they work, but I don't know what the, like what the take is. Like, do people, do people like this game as much as the other ones? Or is it like, cause I feel like people I, do. I, I, like, I just feel like there's a huge. Yes. Yeah. Okay. The short answer is yes. The long answer is it's a, it's a section of people. Cause it's like a cult classic. Basically. So is it, it's, it's um, not, even more so than because I always figured that okay, Mega Man as much as it's a thing that people recognize, it doesn't sell like anything. Like the Mega Man games do not no. sell, and I always just kind of figured no. that it didn't. It did just as well as, but it really just didn't do anything. Is what you're saying? Like it just yeah. didn't play. I, I'm pretty sure these games bombed. Really? Okay. I I think like 
I'm I, I'm pretty sure because like they they dropped them and like I don't know how familiar you are with the development of Legends Three. I am. I'm but, very um... familiar because, like I said, I watched the documentaries <laughs> about it. Actually, within the last oh, I'm year sure. of that, so I'm I'm very familiar with it. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I mean, there is a there is a diehard fan base for the Legends games, and I think that speaks to how unique they are. Um, and so like, no, and I mean, if you ask just a general Mega Man fan, they'll like Legends. Um, I just think they are different people in the community. Does that make sense? Whereas like this, this game does not, does not translate to the same people that love, uh, Mega Man X4. Right. Yeah. They're different people. Okay. Yeah. I always got the sense that maybe, because I've enjoyed these games kind of in a vacuum. Like these are things that I kind of enjoyed that for myself and I've expanded out to see what maybe a few other, you know, content creators or reviewers that I like have, have said, but, um, yeah, I'm not engaging with the fandom quote unquote. And, um, I was just always, I always was wondering if like, was there like a backlash to this? If you're, that you're aware of like there was to something like Wind Waker again, like, was it like, this is not my name, man. What is this? Or was it kind of like I, I, okay, yeah? I think I think a little bit. You know what? I uh, shout outs to Mega Man homepage, okay. which was one of the premier sites I used to go to when I was a young lad or whatever. Um, I yeah, you saw it a little bit in terms of like um, complaining about how different it is. I don't necessarily think there was like a Wind Waker style reception to it, but um, it it it's just lukewarm. Or whatever. Um, we didn't we didn't talk about it in like game sequels to 3D, but like Castlevania also had a similarly rocky road Oof, um, yeah. with its 64 titles. So I, I you know I, I would reckon it's something like that. I'm not intimately familiar with the uh, initial reception okay. though. No. Yeah, uh, man. Yeah, those Castlevania games were rough. I thought Lords of Shadow was fine, <laughs> but I never played the second one. But anyway, um, yeah. Um, I think I think I just want to go over some of the goofy shit I liked yeah. about this game because I like just the, I like the goofy shit I like uh I like the different uh cannon parts I like the vacuum arm to absorb the yeah, crystals yeah. I think that's super important because the crystals don't last fucking long in this game the crystals go away after two seconds so you better vacuum them up and then I um I also liked being able to do bad deeds and then have your Mega Man turn into a dark shade. Yeah, I love. I that. never did that, but I've, it's I've so seen it on like Let's Plays and whatnot. It, it's yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> they even brought a uh, dark Mega Man trigger back for uh, uh, Mega Man Dive. Um, oh, the the, the X Dive. Yeah, yeah, okay, cool. The X Dive. Yeah, they brought him back for that as an April Fool's oh, funny. It's funny. Yeah, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I I like this game. This game's near and dear to my heart. Yeah, actually, um, and like the, the the cat section or the dog, I should say. Sorry, when that's barking and, and Sean Mott's <laughs> up on the on the the pole and hiding from it. And um, I mean, uh, Bon Bon, uh, just this giant baby robot with this giant head, and like, um, there's so many like goofs and stuff and and you you mentioned saturday morning cartoon there is some of that and there's that there's like a, a jeepliness to it but um i think what's interesting about this about Mega Man legends to me and it's it's cast of characters and just the way that it it like i 
I don't feel like it's chasing a specific like tropes necessarily. I mean, obviously it is. No. And like, there's some things in the setting that are callbacks to things. Everything is referencing something. But I, I don't. It doesn't strike me as something. Like it's not a bunch of references. Cliche. Yeah, it's not cliche. It's it's very interesting and and um, I don't want to say unique or novel, but it it feels authentic and genuine. Like it feels like okay, this is a real, this is really the a thing that they really wanted to do. Um, and there's a lot of heart. Yes. And I, I I really love that about this game. And I and I think in general to to broaden it to Mega Man in general all of the franchise does borrow from other things, but that authenticity is something that like you can feel in the good games at least sure. the bad games, not so much, but yeah. Well, and like, I don't know. I, I think so Mega Man Legends three, you know, I, 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 it makes sense. You know, the way that even in our, in mine and yours, um, our under interactions with the broader, uh, Mega Man fandom or whatever, or limited so in my case, I uh, can see that so many people really wanted that. Um, but I wanted... One of the things I want to ask you when we decided to talk about this game was do you think Mega Man Legends 3 could happen? I don't mean as in terms of like like plausibility, but I mean like, like almost... Like, do you think it even should? Do you think Mega Man Legends 3 should happen at this point? Yes. Okay. I would say yeah. But, but you know, it. okay, when you say uh, this, oh, no, the, the, I, I was so confident when I said it. And, the, and then I started thinking, I think they got really scared about Mega Man um, at a certain yeah. point in time. Um, I think that whole Keiji Inafune exit and after, um, they got shaky about Mega Man as an IP. And I think actually now I feel really confident about where Mega Man is now as an IP in general within the company. I think he has a proper place. And I don't think it's like, I think for a lot of people, when the cancellation of Mega Man Universe and Mega Man Legends 3 happened, I or, and his uh, absence from Marvel versus Capcom 3, I remember that at the time, um, I think a lot of people felt like Capcom actively disliked um, Mega Man as a franchise. And I don't think that's the case yeah. now. Um, mm-hmm. I think okay. I, I, I think now he's in a much better place. Mega Man 11 is a really good game, for instance. Yeah, but Mega um, Man 11 I don't, I don't necessarily... Like five years ago now? Oh my god, I feel so and, old. But like... But, and, and like, what, what, we've, what we have gotten from since that we've gotten a couple collections we got the Battle Network collection coming up X Dive and then there's a cancelled another cancelled game that was a crossover between X well, and Zero l- l- let, me, let me put it in another way in terms of the Capcom pantheon of games that need to be released I'm, I'm thankful they made a Ghosts and Goblins sure. game again but, well okay but, but that being said there's a lot of other IPs that haven't even gotten the sort of love mega no I mean I, like where's and, the Breath or, of Fire or the presence. Though, right? and where's you know like yes, we, we finally got Warzard, or uh, what, what's the other? What's it actually called now? Um, Crimson Earth finally came, you know. Yeah. And and you know, Darkstalkers is languishing and probably never coming out uh, with another one. It, it, the list could go on, 
But the thing, I, I think, yes, it, the thing is though, I, so rival schools, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, you know, fighting games. The list oh, goes yeah. on. I mean, Let's just say that. Fighting games are in the exact opposite place they were twenty years ago, where there's now too many of them to a certain extent. Um, yes, and so and, um, to to go back to legends. Yeah. I think I think as long as there's an interest and there's a sort of hype for it that there is a potential market. The issue is is just downsizing cost for Capcom and being able to generate the interest for it. Um, or at the very least, there will be some inspired indie dev so inspired by Mega Man Legends that he'll make his own game. So there is a, probably a place for something. So like it. I actually okay. So I would agree with that. And actually, there is a darn. I cannot remember the name of it. There is a game. That is out there, and um, I'm going to look it up right now because I need to know. Um, no, don't um, uh, What is it called? Okay, it's called Delta Gal, um, and there's a new game in the Delta Gal series coming out soon. Um, that's based on. So the first game, Delta Gal, is basically a spiritual successor to Mega Man Legends. It looks like it down to the textures and the, the shooting and all this stuff. And there's a new one in this series that's coming out uh, soon that the, the developer is working on. And then there's a, the game um, Heart and Slash. I don't know if you heard of Heart and Slash. It's a... Uh, no, I have heard of Delta Gal. Okay. I haven't heard of And then Heart and Slash is like a 3D platforming hack and slash roguelite. Um, looks a lot like Mega Man Legends. Um, so I do think that in terms of like do I think games like Mega Man Legends can and should come out? Yes. I don't think there will ever be or should ever be a Mega Man Legends 3. And the reason is, I don't think that game will please anybody. Oh, sure. I think, I think that what Capcom has... Like, if, if Mega Man Legends 3 was going to be anything, maybe it could be an anime. Maybe it could be like a like. A, oh yeah, I can see like that. Yeah, OVA, something like that. I think as a game, like I think, and I think part of the reason that Mega Man Legends three didn't happen because it was like ten years after the fact, right? Like games don't from from like the standpoint of like a mainstream AAA developer like Capcom that is mostly risk averse. I mean, especially Capcom to the point to where like they test fans be like. You gotta buy this old ported game before we'll make the new one. Oh, you didn't, so we're not making the new one. Um, yeah. Like, I just don't see Legends passing that test, first of all. And I don't think that Legends would actually live up to anyone's the game in their minds that they've been making for the past however long now. And it disappoints me as someone who's discovered these games recently, but um, at the same time I think like People already got their Mega Man Legends 3 and they didn't even realize it. It was called ReCore. And that game was a flop. I mean, it was basically like... Is ReCore good? ReCore is fine. Like, And it came out as okay. like a remastered version and it's a little bit better than fine now. Like, It's 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 cromulent to decent. Um, and okay. I, I think that really... I mean, that, that game was made by the people who made Mega Man Legends, including KG Inafune, and like most of the main core development team that made Metroid Prime. Like, 
and if that game, and then and then they like they basically were making you're a you're a scavenger out in the desert digging up ancient technology with your robot robot friends fighting against other robot friends in like weird lock on serpent strafe shooting combat, you know, and like there's platforming and all this other stuff. And it's not a bad game, but it's exactly what Mega Man Legends three probably would have been, um, at least mechanically, and it, I just don't think it. Would have worked, and I think that part of the charm and the the adoration people have for Mega Man Legends is because it's a game from 1997, and I don't think that there's a nostalgia itch, and there's like a mythical element. Yeah, and, and but there's also like it's like this this hard there's yeah. like hardware reality too. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I like it's almost like you go in accepting like this is a game from 1997 on a 32-bit console. I know what I'm getting into. It's not going to be Returnal, right? And uh, yeah. people see stuff like, oh, I remastered Mega Man Legends in Unity. And people are like, oh my god, why hasn't Capcom done this? It's like, because a game that looks that good and plays like Mega Man Legends is going to be the biggest like tonal dissonance for your brain. And you're going to be like, why am I not having fun? Like, it's because it needs to look like Mega Man Legends to be fun like Mega does that make sense? At least that's my thesis. That's my entire like. I don't think Mega Man Legends can happen <laughs> unless you go back in time and you it comes out in two thousand three. Well, okay, you say all of this, but like, and I guess it's different when it comes to three D. But like, I know exactly what you mean. Where it has its time and place, and it can't really. Ev- like go beyond that because if it goes beyond that it's not the thing yeah I, like i don't and, think metroid prime 4 is gonna come out and be the thing either like and i i would say in response i would compare it to something and you're gonna say eh, that's not really the same because it's gonna be 3d and there's other things but people said the same thing about like Mega Man 9 right and like yeah that was the thing no, was right. what they did was they brought it back and you and as you just mentioned with indie platformers and st- obviously a AAA studio like Capcom would not do that. They don't make games like that, right? But I'm saying that like a game could exist. It could. I think could it. So yes. okay, if 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 now, if Capcom makes Mega Man Legends and makes it like a game from 2005, 2006, 2007, ever was going to come out. Okay. I could maybe see that working. It's twenty twenty two now. Yeah. yeah, but 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 I think <laughs> I think again, what I'm saying is like, should games like Mega Man Legends exist? Hundred percent, and I will play them, and I'm sure I will at least hopefully enjoy them. Um, that, 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 that's you know that's the that's that's the hope, right? But I don't think I don't think that Mega Man Legends three, the version that it existed as in back then can or would exist now and I, you know people are like oh kg and Infune really wants to make three yeah dude i mean i have like 10 games in my head that i want to make too <laughs> it doesn't like just because yeah. someone wants to do it doesn't mean it's going to and it's all up to capcom yeah and like i hate to be like oh yeah man we're gonna talk about Mega Man legends and then everyone is gonna be like yes and now they're gonna talk about how much they want Mega Man legends three and i'm like i don't know i don't know if i do <laughs> i'm just that's fair. No, I, I, I can completely understand the sentiment. And, like, the thing is, is, like, 
I think you're coming from a very realistic place. Yeah. Because like I, I agree. I hate, I hate. Yeah. Ultimately, Capcom doesn't make games like this. That's that's the long. And I hate to say that I, I'm being realistic about it because I I do want to like a part of me does want to get caught up in the hope and and caught up in the in the myth of of that game returning and you know you know get Mega Man off the moon all that stuff sounds great. Um, I mean I. I'm still holding out hope that like, I, I I just said maybe it won't be good, but maybe after Prime Four will be great, and maybe we'll get that remaster on Switch, and and you know all this other stuff. I'm I'm maybe I like being proven wrong. You know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> I would I would love to be proven wrong. Um, I'd love to be proven yeah. wrong that a Panzer Dragoon Saga remake will never happen. Um, but I just don't see it happening, <laughs> and it sucks. Yeah. No, I get it. It really sucks. Yeah. This whole this whole episode is just like, yeah, Brendan's about to talk about my favorite game. Oh man, he doesn't like it or doesn't think it's a real thing. <laughs> he just trashes. He he talks up games nobody likes and then talks down games people love. Oh, it's yeah. great. No, I love it. Yeah. It's great. It's yeah. awesome. Let's, let's... Um, do you have any final thoughts on Legends? Oh man, I mean, there's so much we 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 did talk about, so much that I feel like we could have. We talked did. About. Like I mean. If you like this game and you have never played, and you like Mega Man Legends 2, and you never played The Misadventures of Tron Bon, you really owe it to yourself to go play it. It's not the same structurally, but if if you play these games because you like the Bonds and you haven't played that game, you got to go play that game. It's awesome. Yeah. I, I think, I, think I, I would probably do both of those, Legends 2 as well, as because uh, I like Legends 2. You're, you're very down on well, it, but like, yes, I, I agree with what you said, because like you were saying in a very specific context. Yeah, I, I, I think that um, dungeon crawling took a step back, but it was in service of better set pieces, um, more, you know, a bigger world, a more fleshed out story. Even if I think that some of the story yeah. maybe misses some of the, the simplistic charm of the first one, like I miss some of that. There's a purity to this Yes, one. yeah. But two is still yeah. an excellent. I would never. I would never we'll, say it's not worth playing. We'll do the other two episodes. I, I'm I'm super about it. Um, and yes, I would recommend this game. This is a hard recommend to um anybody even slightly interested in the thing. I think if you can get past the controls, I think it ages pretty well just because of the short runtime and charming uh visuals. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and uh, I think it's time for plugs. Oh man. Okay. Um. So my stuff. Do yeah. It. Okay. So I already, and I already said I, I write for a bunch of places. Um, I do. I, I dance around a little bit. I have a YouTube channel. I also I make video games. I do way too much stuff. Um, I have some, somehow still have a bunch of free time to tweet a bunch. So you should just follow me on Twitter. Uh, Twitter at Brendan underscore LH, um, and you'll find links to all the stuff I do. Uh, my games are called. Uh, the Necromancer's Tower, which is like an old school wizardry like dungeon crawler, surprise. And then uh, it, I have a tabletop RPG like card game called Super Mutant Slayers that's uh, heavily inspired by Fantasy Star Online and Monster Hunter. So uh, if you like the sound of that, check those out. They're like a dollar, so you know, check them out. And uh, yeah, follow my uh, YouTube. I, I haven't done plugs in a very long time, so I feel very rusty doing. But, um, yeah, 
you think you're gonna feel rusty, buddy. I literally <laughs> pass off the duty to plugs to Murph every oh, time. You know what? So I wrote this Hang stuff on. down. On. One more thing to plug, and I'm plugging it here as do an it, exclusive. I haven't said it anywhere else. Um, but if you're listening to this, I assume that there's a possible chance that maybe you've heard Bro talk about uh, Kingsfield, and maybe if you've heard him talk about Kingsfield, you've maybe played it, and maybe games like Lunacid. I have a big feature, hopefully coming out soon, unless it gets spiked, in which case, never mind. But uh, I talked to a bunch of developers who are making Kingsfield-like games. It's going to be on GameSpot soon. You're the only people who know about this. So, uh, yeah, um, hopefully in the next week or Top two. secret. Um, I'll tweet it out when it's available. So, yeah, uh, look forward to that. There we go. That's the secret plug. Secret. That's what it's all about. Super secret. You had to wait. You had to wade through all my terrible Mario takes and the fact that I like uh, Soul Hackers too better than everyone else to get to this nice little nugget <laughs> that you find out. Oh wow, he wrote about uh, a really obscure niche game that some other indie developers are making games like. Wow, I'm so privileged. That's what it's all about here at the Daydreamcast. I am so mad I didn't talk about Wiley's boat shop. Oh, I'm, man. I'm beside yeah, I mean, the myself. The fact that Wiley's <laughs> in this game, but he's just a dude? <laughs> Don't worry about it. I got to do my plugs. Uh, Steven and Jack do stacks. And that's, as of right now, we have license to just lump it all in an umbrella. However, I will recommend Office Hours and Keynote Thanks. Uh, Office Hours is a general pop culture discussion cast. And Keynote Thanks looks at the worst movies of all time for fun and laughs. Uh, Steven has a bunch of other casts, such as I'm Thinking of Spoiling Things with Vaughn. Um, and, uh, which is a hot button film cast regarding new releases. Steven also does notes from the author where he interviews different letterboxed critics and is more in an insight into unique voices. Calvin and Kevin do 808s and pod breaks where they explore contemporary and classic hip hop, dissecting albums and artists. And obviously the twin geeks is the site's premier podcast where David and Cal team up to go through different director filmographies. I am pretty sure they're still on Robert Altman. And uh, I believe they'll be done when hell freezes over. That was the last uh, time estimate they gave me on that. Oh, ooh, I did it. It's oh, done. I don't envy wait, Murph when he does wait, it. Wait, I have one more plug. For, for, Do any, for any folks listening, you should join the Twin Geeks Discord channel. And you should... Oh my gosh! You should, you should hang out with all the cool people who like and record these shows. And you can even message me on there, even though I've literally messaged in that discord like five times maybe total but you can you can reach out to me and tell me that you hated all of my terrible gaming takes i will plugging the discord is genius and good yeah. job i'm i'm proud yeah, i'm proud Bro's in there better. too uh pretty sure i'm pretty sure murph's in there right yeah murph's and, in there and and everyone else all your friends in fact i see him right there he's online right now except i don't know he's not he says he's Let's go bother him. Yeah. <laughs> it's playing out now. Oh, thank yeah, you, man. No this was good. 